0: welcome to the Business Brainwave Show with Renata Jute, where we will look at ways to optimize your business. In this episode of Business Brainwaves, we will look at the fatal mistakes that small businesses make. Let's face it, business is by no means child's play, and mistakes can be costly and detrimental. But then there are those mistakes that can be absolutely fatal to your business. In this episode, I will address the five tax mistakes that could prove fatal to otherwise successful businesses. So, over the last number of years, much has been done to give small businesses some preferential treatment. This includes immediate write-offs for equipment used in business and special treatment when it comes to depreciation and wear and tear allowances, as well as efforts to simplify tax concessions available. But despite this preferential treatment, small businesses still find themselves in hot water because their income tax affairs are not in order. So what does trouble look like and how do we prevent it? Well, let's look at the five big mistakes we make. Number one, mixing business expenses with personal expenses. So for small businesses, it's often difficult to distinguish between business and personal expenses. It is key to remember that there's one simple rule to determine if expenses are for business purposes and as such tax deductible. And the rule is this expenses must be incurred in production of income and not of a capital nature. So, what does that mean? It means did I spend the money whilst I was doing business in my business to do business and I did not use that money. I didn't spend the money to buy an asset. So I didn't buy a new super duper computer or I didn't buy a new delivery vehicle. So I actually spent the money um, maybe buying stationery or ordering stock um, to uh, manufacture a product, so that is when I can say that those expenses were incurred in the production of income. So that means I can now claim it as a tax-deductible expense. But also keep in mind that SARS scrutinizes entertainment, travel, and accommodation expenses. So be very sure that these costs were incurred for business and that you retain all proof if you wish to claim. So the proof that you need to keep here would be things like the invoices like the receipts that you had. Um, And often what I've done is if I do have, for instance, um, a meeting at a restaurant. So a lot of businesses these days operate virtually or people operate from home and they will then meet their clients at, let's say, a restaurant. When you do that, I write on the receipt Who did I meet? What was the purpose of that meeting? So if it was, for instance, a meeting for marketing, I will write the marketing person or the marketing company's name on there, and I will write marketing. And then when you do your claims, and it's very easy then for the bookkeeper and for SARS to see, oh, but hold on a minute, this company is your marketing company. You have various claims and invoices for them every month. And so it pretty much looks legit. So just be mindful when you do these things. Um, and and it's, it's also understand it's quite easy to determine when something's for business and when it's not. You're going to have a hard time explaining a Sunday time lunch bowl um, as a business um, it's, it's It may not be not business, but it's going to be a bit harder to prove. So prevention, how do we not get into hot water with this mixing business expenses and personal expenses? Well, I think the quickest and easiest fix for this would be to make sure that you have separate bank accounts, one for your business and one for your personal. So in the business bank account, this is where you would receive all your business income and you would ensure that all your business expenses are paid from this account. And on your personal side, you would have the personal bank account that receives your personal income, such as your salary, as well as where you pay your personal expenses from. Also ensure, as I mentioned before, to retain all necessary documentation as proof because this information will be called on. Okay, so mistake number two, failure to register for VAT. This is a biggie. So many small businesses mistakenly assume that they only become liable for VAT when they register for VAT. This is absolutely not true. Should you not register for VAT when you're due to do so, and SARS deems you to be a vendor, SARS will levy VAT penalties and interest from the date you were supposed to have registered. And because you were not registered for VAT at the time, you will not be able to claim the input tax, horror upon horror. So what does this really mean? Well, first of all, people say, well, how would SARS know? Very simple. When you submit your tax returns at year end, and normally, so your let's say your year runs from one March to February, and by September, October, you finally now submit your tax return for the year that ended in February, SARS will then see that by, let's say, the year before in October, you already became liable to register for that because at that time, you had already had a turnover of one million Rand. They will simply levy VAT from that period of time plus penalties and interest. But here's the real horror. Because you were not registered for VAT, you now also can't claim the VAT that you would have normally been able to claim. So be very, very mindful of this. So what is my prevention here to keep me out of trouble? Well, like I said, know when to register for VAT. And Here, I highly recommend that you do enlist the services of either your bookkeeper, accountant, a tax practitioner, or a professional for assistance. Uh, There are two ways in which you do uh, register for VAT, namely either voluntary VAT registration or compulsory VAT registration. So, voluntary VAT registration is for businesses that has a taxable supply that's less than 1 million but has exceeded 50,000 in the preceding 12 months. Now, why would you want to do voluntary VAT registration? Well, if you're in a business where the majority of your business is with VAT vendors and you are paying a lot of VAT, you would want to also, and you've got where you have input VAT, then you would want to register for VAT. Let's say you are a service company um, and the majority of your services rendered is to non-VATable entities. The involuntary VAT registration would not serve a purpose because there's really nothing you can claim VAT on. So you would land up paying VAT, but there would be precious little you would be able to claim the input VAT on. So just understand when you should uh, voluntary register for VAT. But then there is the compulsory VAT registration. And this is for any business or individual when they are trading in their personal names that exceeds 1 million rand turnover in any consecutive 12-month period. Now, remember, this is for a business where either in the month where you uh, turn the one million mark. Then you have to register, and you've got the twenty-one days to do so. So SARS will give you a twenty-one day lead period. Or alternatively, if, for instance, I am a business and um, I had no idea that I was going to do one million for my particular tax year, and all of a sudden, a big deal comes across my desk. The minute I sign the documentation for that desk, that uh, for that deal, sorry, that now actually guarantees that million rand, at that point, I have to register. So either when you actually physically have the one million, or when you are going to have one million in that particular tax year, and you are very well aware of it, that is when you would have to register. But again, If you need more information on that, do enroll the services of a professional. And um, in the the text below, I will also post the link, the direct link for the VAT uh, section on SARS, where you can go directly to the SARS website and go and read more on the VAT registration. So mistake number three, failure to support. SARS with supporting documents for verification or audit. So again, this is a biggie, people. When when a business submits its tax return to SARS, the filed returns may be selected for verification or audit. So what happens? My bookkeeper or my accountant have now done my books and the tax return is submitted to SARS. And literally, I've seen it uh, in my years when I owned uh, accounting firms we would literally within a couple of hours, we would get a notification back that would say uh, selected for verification. It may immediately also trigger for audit. So SARS has in the, let's call it in the back end, they have algorithms that run and depending on what is on your tax return, it may, immediately select you for verification or audit and that's when you get it within a few hours or alternatively when you do your um, whole submission and it is a manual process you may get it later. So SARS conducts audits by inspecting the taxpayers financials accounting records including supporting documents. So what's now happened? I've submitted the tax return, I think I'm now done SARS comes back and goes, oi, but I want to see your documents. And this is where it becomes very important. Sometimes what happens is the notification of this documents that's required is sent to the person that has actually submitted my tax return and not to the business owner. So it's also the job of the business owner to make sure that they stay on top of the, the tax affairs with the bookkeeper or the accountant that is dealing with this. So, what is my prevention here to not get into trouble with SARS? So, if you are notified of a verification or an audit by SARS, ensure to supply the required documents within 21 working days of the date of the SARS notification. Like I said, in my experience, sooner is much better. Some of the documentation that's typically requested may include bank statements, Definitely travel logbooks. If you've claimed uh, travel, then travel logbooks will be called for. Receipts for medical expenses paid by the taxpayer. So that's more on your personal side when there's um, uh, on your uh, personal tax and the medical certificates. Uh, Retirement annuity certificates. So if the business is, for instance, paying towards the retirement annuities of the staff. There's financial statements, there's VAT schedules, there's valid tax invoices, so when you are claiming expenses, so we will call on those invoices, and then documents relating to income and deductions. Remember that as the taxpayer, the business is obliged to retain all relevant documents for five years after assessment. So what does this mean? It doesn't mean the date that I submitted the tax returns and now I'm done. No, no, no. It's when SARS comes back to you and says, I am now happy. I have assessed your tax return. This is the amount tax payable or there is no tax payable. Only from that date. But in my experience and my recommendation is, do keep that information in electronic format if you can, somewhere in a cloud for as long as you can. Because even though currently the rule stands at five years, there's been a lot of discussions about extending that to eight years, um, which has not yet happened, uh, but there is discussions about that. And I have personally dealt with um, a couple of individuals and businesses that all of a sudden SARS goes back to them and go, Well, you owe us money from, and it's eight years back, 12 years back, 15 years back. And the person will go, well, our taxes were paid. It was up to date. We got an assessment. Everything was fine. And SARS goes, yeah, but we've picked up that there was this or that. And by now, no one has the documentation anymore. So how do you prove that you are right? And with SARS, the the obligation is on the taxpayer to deliver the proof, not on SARS. So it's never up to SARS to prove that they are right. It is up to the taxpayer to prove that SARS is wrong. So very, very important in my view, if you have the storage and you've got the cloud capacity, when it comes to anything tax related, do keep your information rather longer than shorter. The mistake number four that small businesses often make is missing deadlines. Now, there are various types of deadlines um, that is referred to here, but missing the deadlines of submissions for tax returns and other statutory returns can result in penalties of up to 200%. So that's very severe, especially when we're looking at cash flow. Businesses that miss the SARS deadlines will also not be able to obtain tax clearance certificates. And this may be very, very important for businesses, especially when they deal with tenders. So why do we miss deadlines? Well, uh, we may not have all the required documents requested by SARS. We are maybe unaware of these deadlines. Or sometimes we just treat tax compliance as a minor issue that can be attended to at a later stage because we just don't actually understand the severity of it. And I think you'll only have to pay that 200% penalty once to know the severity of it. So do make sure that you understand the importance of these deadlines. So what's my prevention here? Well, let's look at it. First off, retain all relevant documents that may be called for by SARS. So as I said earlier, you know if you can keep it longer, rather keep it longer, and if you can keep it in the cloud space, it's much easier because when SARS then calls on documents, it's easy for you to upload to their system. Also just um, a word of warning on that, when you are uploading information, do tag it properly, Because as these folders grow, you know, when you have to go and sift through 700 documents that are just date sorted and there's no physical name to it, you actually have to sift through so many documents and it's a huge waste of your time and time is money. Also familiarize yourself with the different deadlines applicable to your business and diarize action dates for the responsible parties. So, if you know, for instance, that you are VATable and that you pay VAT on equal months, um, on the even months, I should say, then you know that you should maybe follow up with your bookkeeper that you get your VAT figures and that that VAT is paid and that you get your VAT statement so that you can see that there's no further VAT owing. Very, very important. I've heard so many times of businesses that had to pay penalties on late VAT submissions. So please be mindful of that. Um, Just because we outsource these services and because we are there to come up with great ideas and run our businesses and leave the bean counting to other parties does not mean that we are not responsible at the end of the day. Like I just said, remember that as the business owner, the buck stops with you. Um, and even if you do outsource the relevant actions and tasks, uh, task yourself to follow up and obtain confirmation of source status on a regular basis. Lastly, we look at mistake number five, using VAT or pay as you earn as cash flow. Oh, my goodness. And this I have really seen get businesses into severe trouble. So not paying SARS on time will prove a very costly mistake with late submission penalties and interest charged. Many small businesses indicate cash flow to be one of the biggest challenges in their business and not paying SARS is a guaranteed uh, way to worsen the situation. Remember that um, your borrowing from SARS is going to be certainly one of your uh, uh, more costly ways of funding your business. So how do we prevent this? So when I assist businesses with uh, business optimization, the first thing I recommend is that we ensure that there's a separate bank account, um, and I call that your provision account. So it could be something like a money market account, a savings account, something where you can accrue some interest. And the purpose of this account is to hold any provisions for for any expenses to be paid at a later stage. So this would include things like your VAT, your pay as you earn, maybe provisions for um, assets that you need to buy, maybe for your bonuses at year end. So whatever provisions that you are working for. So basically anything you're saving up for, but most importantly, my VAT and my pay as you earn would also lie in this provision account. And you then ensure that you have your monthly management accounts drafted, which will indicate your tax position for that particular month. And once you know what your tax position is for that month, you ensure that you transfer the necessary funds to the provision account. And it will lie until you need to, to pay it over to SARS or whichever other parties, as I mentioned. So if you are paying VAT on even months, then the um, odd month VAT would go into that account. So let's call it the May month VAT would now be paid into that month. And when we get to month June, the money from May and June would then be paid over to SARS. And very, very important is to remember that you do not dip into these funds for cash flow. If you are really in a desperate position and you need cash flow, you would rather apply for a short term loan or you would need to reassess your operational issues, um, your operational expenses to see where where we could maybe um, cut expenses if that's what we needed to do. So, in closing, I really hope that the information in this particular episode of Business Brainwaves um, has set you on a path to better informed decisions when it comes to the tax affairs of your business. Don't let tax non compliance be the reason your business suffers. So, As always, for more tax and business-related articles, you're welcome to pop over to our website. And for a more personalized approach to your business, please reach out to me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Business Brainwaves. For more Business Brainwaves, please visit my website, nobleprosperity.co.za, follow me on Facebook, or connect with me on LinkedIn. For easy access, the links are posted below.